Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast Series. I have Ingwe Hu. Uh, she's a professor of neurology at UCSF at the Weill Institute for Neurosciences. We're going to be talking about uh, circadian rhythms, sleep behaviors, and um, you know what's happening happening genetically uh, when people sleep. It looks like so. Ingwe, thanks for coming. Sure, you're welcome. Thanks for uh, letting me <laughs> be on part of your podcast. It's my honor. Yeah. Speaking as someone who has a very strange circadian rhythm, I'm, I'm interested to talk about this. I usually go to bed <laughs> at like three in the morning and get up at 11. I've been doing it for 20 years and most people are horrified. But, yeah, uh, but you feel I, the best, right? That's your best schedule, right? Close to it, yeah. yeah. Maybe like two to 10. So yes. that's, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um, I think that's, um, that's exactly what we have been doing, part of what we have been doing. So um, my research or my lab uh, focus on, in general, focus on human sleep behavior and you know, try to understand our sleep behavior. And then two areas that we focus on, one is the circadian rhythm and, and one, the other one is sleep duration. And circadian rhythm really is about uh, our sleep schedule. And so, um, what we learned uh, from our work is that our gene actually plays a very important role in determining our sleep behavior. So whether you are oh. night owls like you, right, or morning right. larks, or if you, how many hours of sleep you need, that actually depend a lot of, on our genetic comp- composition. So, yeah. when um, well, I, I've heard is you know people when they're uh, teenagers their circadian rhythm shifts forward. And then oh. when people are adults, it may shift back. And then when they get very old, it seems to shift much earlier. Do you, yeah. is that yeah. because of like changing gene expression or methylation? No, I think so. So the way it is, is that for teenagers usually tend to shift backwards and that's caused by the hormone, hormonal changes in our body. And so teenagers, a lot of, most teenagers, they like to stay up late and get up late. And that's because of the hormonal change. And when they get to, when we get to about late 20s and we start to become stabilized, and that's when you can really understand what's your true body schedule. And when we get to beyond, you know, a lot of papers say 60, but I would say maybe 65 or 70, after 65 or 70, then your body starts to shift forward. You know, you become early riser, you go to bed earlier, and get up earlier that's true and we still don't know why um when people get uh, older and then usually they go to bed earlier so but even though hormones hormone signaling changes are you saying that people have an underlying preferred circadian rhythm based on their genes as well yes yes yeah exactly and that's what we found in the last 20 uh 20 some years we i've been working on this about 20 to 23 years, yes. And we have found, so far found uh, more than a dozen genetic mutations in humans that 
make them uh, molding narcs. Uh, with one single base DNA change, will make them, you know, want to go to bed somewhere between 5 to 8 p.m. and get up, you know, 2 a.m. or 4 a.m. Right. <laughs> yeah, so genetics plays a very important role in, in this, yeah. And uh, of course, I, I think that for most people, it's, it's, um, it's not so obvious. So the, the people we are studying, they have a stronger um, genetic uh, mutation that make them have very obvious significant change. I think most people are not like that. Most people probably have um, several milder uh, DNA polymorphism and make them have certain uh, tendency, for example. So, What happens if um, your hormone signaling is at odds with your underlying genetics, you know, if you genetically want to be a lark, but for some reason, you know, diet or who knows what, you know, right. disease, whatever, your hormone right. signaling counteracts right. that. What does that look right. like if that happens? I'm not sure, but I would guess that it will probably mess up your body a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm not yeah. sure about that because I'm not a, I'm not a physician, I'm a scientist. So I study right. the genetic effect. Um, if you if your genetic component if your genetic composition make you a morning lark or night owls, uh, and then there are some other uh, factors make you make your body want to go the other way, it probably will be will mess up your schedule a little bit. And the people I study, they have very strong genetic effect. You know, they. Well, they how really, do you know? Um, how do you know genes do this? What you know, so a oh, gene so, is there, yeah. <laughs> what, is, what does it do to the body that causes the person to, I mean, it must control hormone release and the timing and the, the well, amount. So, I mean, so um, our body clock, actually, our, our sleep schedule is controlled by circadian clock. And circadian clock actually is, uh, it's formed by a, a set of molecules. It forms almost like a molecular clock. It runs a rhythm, a cycle every 24 hours. And it can really set our body rhythm according to this 24-hour cycle. And so a lot of mutations that we found so far, our mutations happen on this set of genes and make them change their uh, function a little bit and, and therefore make these people's sleep schedule um, altered from uh, what we call normal, but it's not, this is really not People who go to bed early or late is not abnormal. It's just they are off from the majority of the population. So most of the mutations we found so far fall into this group of genes, but we're starting to find mutation that's outside this group of genes. So it's, it's a very complex problem and we, we still have a lot um, to learn. You know, we still, we still don't know, don't have a complete picture, I would say. Well, what is the normal method of action of our genes that govern our clock. Like again, when a gene yes. activates, literally yes. what does it do in our body? What changes to cause us to? Yes, so there are, there are um, the proteins that we call transcription factors. And they, um, they uh, so what happened is in the morning, the strongest signal to regulate our body rhythm is the light. So in the morning, when our eyes receive light, it will set the signal for our body, the molecular clock to set it so that a set of molecular reactions will happen. The transcription factor will turn on the genes or turn off the genes. And therefore our body is very complex. You know, it's very hard to 
within a few sentences to describe it, but essentially that's what happened. The light signal come into our eye and send to signal to our brain. And then this whole set of molecule has a set of uh, reactions that happen once every 24 hours. It was said it happened. And then it goes through this whole set of uh, molecular reactions. And then this whole set of molecular reaction will regulate more than half of the genes in our body to regulate our body functions. And therefore it forms this body rhythm of 24 hours. So it's very complex because more than half our genes of any specific um, organs or tissues that you look at is under this circadian clock regulation. So it's a very complex okay. mechanism. And so when we, um, when we sleep, our liver is sleeping in its own way, our pancreas in its own way. Yeah, like everything has, every organ has its own rhythm. And then, so uh, if, you know, I'm not a Chinese medicine doctor, but I know just enough to say that <laughs> in the Chinese medicine, there are this uh, clock and every hour, every two hours, or every few hours, there is a special function like liver function is the best in certain hour and it's at the rest of certain hours. So, uh, but what I, where I come from is, is different. So about 20, 22, 23 years ago, I had an opportunity to work on um, finding mutations or genetic alterations for a specific family about their extreme morning lark behavior. And that's how we started it because we had no idea that genes can control our sleep behavior until this woman came to us and she asked us to help her because she realized that her granddaughters and many of her family members all have this very strange sleep pattern that they need to go to bed like 6, 7 p.m. and they get up like 2, 3 a.m. And she felt that this was a very negative thing for her in her life because in the evenings she couldn't do anything with her, with her spouse and she didn't want her granddaughter to suffer the same way. So she came to us and asked us to help her. And so we, we realized by looking at her family, we realized that this looks like some genetic factor that regulating in her family. So we went and looked for mutation in her family and found the mutation and reported in 2001. So this was way back in 2001. And that's really the first, very first time we realized that our gene can regulate our sleep behavior in such a obvious strong way. And of course, after 2001, we had many, many mutations. But what, what's more, even more interesting was that over the years, I mean, we were uh, looking for people, uh, we're looking for mutations for people who are morning larks or night owls. And the 2001 publication from this family was a big hit on all kinds of newspapers and TV shows. And so a lot of people came to us and wanted to participate in our study. So we started to look at for the mutations in a lot of these people. And somewhere around 2005, we found a mutation among you know, this whole bunch of people participating in our study. And when we found the mutation, we went back to uh, look at this family and we realized that these people are not morning larks. They're not the typical morning larks because they go to bed at the same time with most people, but they get up much earlier than most people. In other words, they are nature short sleepers. They just don't need as many hours as most people. And so we published the paper in 2009 
And again, it became a very big hit on all the newspaper and TV shows. And again, we found, you know, we, we had this huge number of people came to us to participate in our study. So since uh, the 2009 paper, we have published two more genes recently. And we have a few more genes that we are working on it. And hopefully we can publish pretty soon. So, okay, uh, well, question, question here. So what would be the role of someone either being a night owl or a lark? Why do you, what, what physiological function would it serve? I've heard of, for instance, the sentinel hypothesis, you know, night owls were sentinels when the rest of the tribe would sleep. But uh, I don't know, are there any <laughs> other theories out yeah, there? I, you know, I, don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know those theories, but I feel, I mean, the, the data is there. The morning larks actually, they usually perform better in the morning. And the night owls usually perform better later in the day. And those are, uh, we know that in science. But other than that, I, I don't know anything about, <laughs> you know, how they come from. It's possible, you know, a long time ago, for some reason, some people need to adjust their body to a later schedule in, in order for their tribe to survive. That's very possible. But I, I'm not, you know, I don't know uh, personally about that uh, to, to confirm or not confirm it. So, so once, once you identify these genes, then what? what oh, then, we, then we, we study their function and understand why when, the, when there are mutations and they will affect their sleep schedule in such a significant way. And so it will help us understand how to modulate our body clock. And this, I think, is significant uh, impact for our future because now our society is really running in a 24-7 manner, right? There are a lot of people need to go and do shift work for nurses or whatever reason. And so it's really not good for their health. If, if, if someone who is not night hours and constantly do night shift, and that's, that has very significant uh, consequences on their health, right? Or another example would be uh, therapy or chemotherapy or whatever, medicine therapy, we know that our body runs in a clock. Therefore, there are certain times it will be better for certain medicines to give to patients, right? Because there will be a best time to give the patient at this time for them to get most out of the medication. So from that sense, there are a lot of advantages for us to know how to regulate our body clock. Or for instance, you are night owl, but you need to go, you need to get up early next day. Maybe there's something you can take to help you adjust your body for one or two days. Or when we travel, when we have jet lag, and something can help us adjust our body clock. So if we can understand at the molecular level how our body clock is regulated, it will help us maybe to come up with something to help us adjust our body clock easily. You know? So these are the idea, and similar with the short sleep, uh, people that were studied, these are natural short sleepers. They, they, they sleep fewer hours, four to six hours, their whole life without any negative consequences. Unlike most people, if they don't sleep enough on a long-term basis, they will have uh, some significant negative consequences. So if we can understand why they don't need as much sleep at the molecular level, it will also help give us an opportunity to really see if there's a way we can help people sleep more efficient. Because we think that these short sleepers they can behave this way or they can survive in a short, fewer hours their whole life without negative consequences is because their sleep is more efficient. And so maybe we can figure out some way to help us all sleep more efficient. Therefore, we can all become healthier, right? 
How do you determine the sleep efficiency? Just, I mean, from the person's diary of how they feel, or are there other yeah, like so the we, sleepiness index? You know, what yeah, so we look at we look at their. Um, we first ask them a lot of questionnaires, and we interview them and see how they feel, if they have any health consequences. But the group of people we study, they, are, they sleep on average four to six hours, and they are very, very active. They're very optimistic, and they are multitaskers. They are excellent multitaskers. <laughs> they usually have two jobs or more jobs, and, or they go to school full-time and have jobs on the side. And they usually live a full life till very advanced age and still very healthy. So these are people who seem to have a better sleep efficiency than most people. And we want to understand why we are this way. Yeah, so that's why now where I was studying this, and I've been studying sleep for 20 some years. Over the years, I realized that a lot of people don't really realize how important sleep is for us, right? And therefore, People don't follow their sleep schedule in order for them to be to to maintain their health. And so I recently wrote a book called Sleep to Thrive and in order to help people understand how important this is. So this is really, um, I think the most important thing for now is to help everybody understand how important this is. And I'm very happy I saw your uh, podcast at least and you sleep is one of the area that you are focusing on. <laughs> yeah, well, I've had a lot of uh, sleep issues and. My family does, so we might make yeah. good guinea pigs for the lab. So I'm <laughs> yeah, so, so what do you, important. Yeah. What What do you hope to figure out in the next few years here? Yeah. So, um, like I say, right now I feel the most. Um, what I'm most interested in is really understand the sleep efficiency. How to regulate sleep efficiency? Because if we can increase sleep efficiency for everyone, then all the incidents for all kinds of diseases will drop significantly. And that's, to me, that's much better than trying to find cure for one disease at a time, right? Because poor sleep actually can significantly increase your chance of getting all kinds of diseases, you know, a lot higher, right? Including Alzheimer's, cardiovascular problems, all kinds of problems. So if we can understand how to increase sleep efficiency, it will help us decrease the incidence of a lot of these diseases. And I think that's my uh, number one priority now. And I hope um, within a few years, uh, we can learn enough to help us come up with some idea of how, how to uh, help everybody sleep better, sleep more efficiently. What do you think is going to be the way to do that? I mean, if you understand someone's genetics, okay, great. What, what then? And do you yeah, counsel so, them? Do they so, have certain hormones, know, food, yeah. what do they do? Yeah, so the thing about uh, our approach is that we're just taking advantage of this very rare human with a genetic mutation. We're just taking advantage of their genetic information to help us understand how sleep is regulated, really. Because it's very hard to sleep uh, to, to study sleep because we have no idea how sleep is regulated. So we simply want to use these people's genetic information to help us understand the mechanism. But if we understand mechanism, then we can probably come up with some therapies that can help us increase the sleep efficiency. And, and that can help a lot of people without knowing their genetic information. We don't need to know everybody's genetic information if we know how sleep uh, regulatory mechanism works, right? So we're simply using the, the rare 
human to help us understand the mechanism. If we can understand the mechanism, then we can, without knowing people's genetics, come up with some idea to help with, the, um, to tweak the uh, regulatory mechanism to make it more efficient. The sleep yeah. architecture of short yes. sleepers, is it different or the sleep architecture of owls versus larks or super larks? Um, I think the mechanism is, the basic mechanism is the same, uh, short sleeper versus normal sleeper is the same, but somehow uh, somewhere along the pathway, something make them more efficient. Now night owls and morning larks, they are uh, the circadian clock, their body clock. Um, I, I think part of them is because their body clock um, has, is a little bit off for some of them. And the other group of people which we are starting to find is that their entrainment mechanism is a little bit off from uh, most people because to, to determine our sleep schedule is not just our circadian clock. It also our body clock is entrained by light every day. And the, the, the signal in the clock itself, the master clock itself, needs to send out through different signal pathway in order to regulate our entire body physiology. So the, if you can think of a pathway, in the middle of the pathway is the molecular clock, master clock, and there is a signal coming from outside going into the, the middle of the master clock, and also signal coming out of the master clock to all of our peripheral tissues to regulate our, our body uh, rhythms or our physiology. And you can see that anything goes off in this input pathway or output pathway can also affect our body uh, rhythm, our sleep schedule. So it's, it's quite complex, actually. Ingwe, well, uh, what's the best way for people to find out more about your work? Oh, um, so I have this book. Uh, it's coming out called Sleep to Thrive. And the, the, the paper uh, copy is in Amazon. And I'm having trouble to get the guy that <laughs> helped me do this to finish electronic copy. But um, they can search my name. They can find me very easily. Search my name. And I am at uh, UCSF, University of California, San Francisco. And they can find, uh, find me that way. And, or if they search my name, I, I've done a TED Talk. So they can find me quite easily. And I... I think the main goal is really help everybody understand how important sleep is for their health and not just the physical health, also their emotional health, their mood, because we know that if we don't sleep well, we get up, we're crabby. If we sleep well, we get up, we're happy, right? And, and another very important part is our cognitive function. So it's really about how our how health, happiness, and how smart we are, that these are all connected to sleep. So. Well, very good. Well, thank you for coming thank on the you. podcast. Yeah, thank you for uh, allowing me to come to your podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.